Welcome to Tic-Tac-Toe the Hard Way, the podcast in which a writer and a software engineer train an AI to play a simple game. And take a hands-on approach to exploring the very human choices that go into training a machine learning system. Hello, and welcome to the podcast. I'm Yannick Asagba. I'm David Weinberger. And who are we, David? <laughs> well, I'll do me, okay? I write about technology, and I've been embedded for a while in a Google machine learning research and development group called Pair. And I'm a software engineer here at Google, and I work in the Pair team. What is Pair? So Pair stands for People and AI Research, and it's a team within Google Research that works at the intersection of AI and human-computer interaction. Well, that sounds like fun. I'm glad I'm there. <laughs> it is. So am I. <laughs> so what is this podcast about? This podcast is when we're going to explore in a hands-on way some topics in machine learning and try and see what's involved in making a machine learning system, but it's not a tutorial. We are going to be building a machine learning system, but we're not going to be telling you exactly every step how to do it because there are so many great tutorials around. We have a different set of interests in this, which is sort of the middle ground between a tutorial and a high-level look at it. There's lots of stuff written about AI, especially about machine learning, which is really what we're talking about, that says, oh, in a machine learning system, you pour data into the system and it, the algorithms iterate on it and magic happens at the other end. And there's some, you know, that's true. <laughs> but there's a lot that goes on beyond the pouring in. There's a lot of the human decisions. Yeah. And we want to sort of examine each and every one of those human decisions and get a feel for what that involves. And also just dive below the level of metaphor. So not, not stay at the hand wavy, as you said, sort of pouring data in or learning or stuff like that, but actually see what, what lies beneath and get a feel of, for that. So my hope for folks listening, particularly if they're potentially interested in trying this out themselves, is, is getting a feel for what it means to actually go from an idea to something that works. So we see a lot of cool, flashy demos and videos. And then on the other side, a lot of these hand-wavy AIs taking over everything. But how do you actually go from like, I have an idea and I think machine learning may be relevant to these are the steps I need to do to get something up and running? I'm a writer. I am the opposite of a developer. So I've been writing JavaScript as a hobbyist for many, many years. I'm still really, really bad at it. You are an actual developer. Yes, I am. Yes. My interest is different than Yannick's in this regard. I'm actually one of those hand-wavy writers who writes about the effect and meaning of AI. I have found it enormously helpful to go a level below the metaphors to see exactly how these systems are put together, and especially the deep involvement of human decision-making around building and shaping them. So we've talked about systems and looking under the hood. So what kind of system are we going to be examining in this podcast? We're going to be building, we hope, a machine learning system that will play a variant of the deep and complex and brain-busting game called tic-tac-toe. And the variant is more complex than tic-tac-toe. We're not exactly sure how complex it actually is. We're calling it tic-tac-toe. At least that's what I've been calling, because it seems like a sequel to tic-tac-toe. <laughs> and um, this is a game David told me about that he invented many, many years ago and has been holding on to this IP for <laughs> just a moment like this. Um, do you want to tell our listeners about this game? So tic-tac-toe 
is basically tic-tac-toe with a couple of changes in the rules. It's still two players and an X and an O, and you still have to get three in a row. You have to own three squares on the board. But to own a square, instead of just dropping your X or your O on it, you actually have to get two of your marks in it. Whoever is the first to get two in owns a square. That's the first change. There's a second rule, which is at any point, either player can once in a game play two marks at a time. So at move three or whatever, you can decide you're going to place an O not only in square one, but also in square four, or maybe put both in square one or whatever. And we hope and think that this will add enough complexity that we can learn stuff about machine learning by constructing a system that plays it. So that's the thing we're going to be working on, and we're going to be using machine learning. Let's talk about that. Let's talk about what machine learning is. And here, maybe let's contrast this with how one might, as a sort of regular developer, make a system to do this. So what is your current understanding of what makes machine learning different from just like writing a program to play this game? Let's just talk about tic-tac-toe for now. Yes. Okay. My understanding is that it's a pretty typical computer science 101 challenge. It's homework, basically, to write a program that will play tic-tac-toe successfully, which would mean that it either beats the human player or it ties human players all the time or some consistency. And the way you would do that is you'd write a program that specifies some rules uh, depending upon the input, the input being the, the state of the board where the X's and O's are, that the computer knows, first of all, not to make certain moves. It knows that there are rules against placing a mark where there's already a mark in a square that already has a mark. And that second of all, you, know, you tell it that... Um, it should, before it moves, it should always look to see whether it's about to lose and block or if there's a square that will win. And if you do that, that's pretty much it. It has logic to play the game and logic. it makes a move pretty yeah. much. And the reason why this is a computer science 101 is that the rules are really, really simple. It's very, very straightforward. But that's basically how computer programs, more complex computer programs work. The rules are way, way more complex. There are way more if and then cases or whatever that you got to cover and... But it's, you specify the rules, and exactly. you got it. A programmer writes the logic. We execute the program. It does the thing. All's well and done. Yeah. Great description. <laughs> so what about machine learning? What's different there? Well, uh, I say as quite an expert on machine learning, you are nodding, but insincerely, which is appropriate. <laughs> I hope that comes through in the audio. Insincere <laughs> nodding here. <laughs> It needs a, an emoji, the insincere nod, if there's one. Anyway, so my understanding is that we're not going to tell the system any of the rules, the machine learning system, any of the rules, which seems very contrary to logic, I should point out. Instead, we're going to take the data, I guess, are going to be, well, I think we're going to have to talk about this very soon, but yeah. it's going to be some set of boards or whatever. We're going to pour in lots of games of tic-tac-toe. Yes. And it's going to look at those games. It's going to analyze the moves. It's going to find statistical relationships among the moves. And it's going to come up with, for every human move, it's going to come up with a response that it thinks probabilistically is a good move to play. Yeah. But it's not going to know the rules. And it, it may never actually figure out the rules. It, it may never have a representation of the rules that it can communicate to us, that it knows the rules. But that's an interesting question. Like, if a machine can play the game without ever making an illegal move, does it know the rules or not? We may never know the answer to that question. And for some people, that's maybe more of a philosophical one. But yes, we won't explicitly program in rules. 
but it's going to have to learn from all of these examples how to play the game. And somewhere in that should be an encoding of what is legal, what's illegal, what's advantageous, and what's disadvantageous. Whether you call that rules, whether you call that strategy, is maybe something we can discuss as we go further along. But we do want it to learn what's going on in the game, or at least a way to effectively win without explicitly telling it anything about the sort of structure or logic of tic-tac-toe. The rules or the strategies, the winning yeah, strategies, right? Exactly. We're not, gonna, we're not gonna tell, humans generally believe anyway, that winning strategies include trying to take the corners early or taking the middle and, you know, we know why that is. Uh, those positions can win in more than one way. Yeah, we're not gonna program any logic for that. The hope is that the system can learn that from the data. If we give it enough examples of great tic-tac-toe, like champion level tic-tac-toe, that it can see like, oh, this is how I win, and just learn from that and encode that in its program and then be able to play. So that's a pretty good description of machine learning and what differentiates machine learning from sort of regular programming. I'll maybe sort of add a bit of flavor to that and describe there's actually multiple ways of doing machine learning. And actually on this podcast, we're going to explore two different approaches. You're going to do something called supervised learning, which we'll talk about, and I'm going to do something called reinforcement learning, which we'll talk about. To explain the differences at a high level, supervised learning is very much learning by example. So you tell a machine, here's the input, let's say the state of the board, and here's the move you should make. You should play in this corner. And it needs to learn that from many, many different examples. So you have these inputs and these moves it should make, which are you could call ground truth or labels, and, and we'll talk about some of that jargon. But that's sort of the scheme. Learn by example, and I will give you all of the examples. And that's what we'd call supervised learning. Does that make sense? So my understanding is, so let's jump out of tic-tac-toe. If you want to train a machine learning system to be able to identify photos of animals, which animal they are, you would feed in some number of images of each of the animals, and you would include a label for each of them, which in, from a human point of view would be things like, oh, photograph of an elephant? Elephant is the label. And so and tiger and zebra and all the rest of them. And you give it lots of examples of it. So you're telling it that you don't know anything, machine, but I'm telling you, this is one way a tiger looks. Mm -hmm. and this is another, another image of tiger. My understanding is that the training process, it will go through and it will look for patterns in these images. And it's just dots of color, which actually turn out to be numbers, just numbers to the machine. It's going to look for patterns among the all the images that are labeled tiger and the ones labeled elephant and try to come up with a model that allows it to successfully identify new pictures. So it's going to, uh, we'll do this in human terms, for a tiger it may notice a pattern of what we would think of as black and orange stripes, and for elephants, big swaths of gray. Mm -hmm. It's going to learn those patterns by noticing, by sorting until it gets it right. Yep. Next photo that comes in it will make a probabilistic guess. If humans labeled them wrong, then it's going to make mistakes. Yeah, it's going to learn yeah. them wrong. That's a great description. And in that example, it's trying to learn to do two things. Give the correct answer for like future tigers that it's never seen before that look like tigers, but also separate tigers from elephants from zebras and not confuse a picture of an elephant for a tiger. Aren't those two things the same thing? They're related. You sort of want good separation between these different labels. So it knows that this is one thing and this other thing. 
and you want it to sort of generalize to new kinds of those things that it hasn't seen before without mixing it up. Okay, so it could put the stuff it's being trained on, it could put those photos into the right buckets, but still might not be able to identify the new one coming yeah. in. Yeah, so, okay, and that it. is something that we, we do generally want to achieve. We want it to be able to give good labels for things that we don't have in our training set yet. Okay, so we're going to have to talk about what that means for tic-tac-toe, which is pretty far removed from, you know, yeah, from image the classification. Tiger, yeah. Anyway, so you're doing this other type of machine learning. Yeah, so I'm going to be exploring an area called reinforcement learning. And I'm looking forward to this because it's an area I haven't done much work in. So I, I get to learn something and have a bit of fun programming-wise while working on this podcast. And one difference in reinforcement learning is that we don't have this a notion of a label or a ground truth for this example. So how reinforcement learning works is you have an agent, and when I say agent, I mean a program that does the thing. So in this case, it might be a program that plays tic-tac-toe, and it's going to interact with the environment. And the environment is the game and the other player, maybe. So it's going to make moves, and the environment will periodically give it a reward. That reward can be a positive reward or a negative reward. So in some ways, it's, it's kind of like a child learning. A child sort of explores and plays with the world and gets positive reinforcement and negative reinforcement. And from that, hopefully learns to sort of do the things that lead to positive reinforcement and not do the things that lead to negative reinforcement. And similarly, the agent is trying to maximize its long-term positive reward. Some key differences are while it's interacting with the environment, it may not always get a reward. So in the tic-tac-toe example, it may only get a reward at the end of the game. It could make several moves, and then at the end of the game, it will be told, you won, great, or you lost, and that was bad, or you got disqualified, and that was even worse. And from there, it has to learn how to make moves in a sequence that are going to likely lead to victory. So it's, it's a bit different. There isn't sort of this static training data set, but there's this dynamic interaction with this world that's referred to as an environment. So that's what I'll be doing. So I'm going to be generating data, but you are not because reinforcement learning doesn't require pouring in a ton of data. There is still data involved. It's formulated a bit differently. So I won't generate a static data set, but I will have to create a system where it can actually play tic-tac-toe sort of live and sort of draw from that. So in a way, there is data. There's still a mechanism by which you need to generate data for the learning algorithm. It just formulates the problem a, a bit differently because there isn't a static, necessarily pre-existing data set with the labels. But you can still think of it as data, and it's still useful to think of it as data because really all machine learning systems need data. Okay, so let me rephrase that. I'm going to be generating a boatload of static, a file full of data. And we should talk right now, I think, about what that data is. Mm -hmm. So I'm going to tell you what I think the data is, and you're going to correct me. Yep. You're going to slap me down as usual. Gently. Uh, Gentle slap down. Always gently. You're... <laughs> so I think that I'm going to generate many random games of tic-tac-toe. Many, I'm not sure what that means. It means more than five and probably less than 10 million. Am I yes. <laughs> scoped correctly? Correct. <laughs> And so I'm going to write a program in JavaScript. I know you're going to try to get me to do Node, which is JavaScript with a few advantages. But I'm, I'm just trying to make your life easier. But yeah, you will I, have full choice over what you do. That means change, and change is always bad. So Change is scary, <laughs> but good for us. Yeah, I guess. So I'm, I'm going to use something like JavaScript to generate random games where a random game is going to consist of first going to start a game by picking one of the nine squares randomly. Then it's going to make the second move. It's going to look for an unoccupied square and 
put a, the other mark in it and so forth. I'm going to not let it put a mark in a space that has a mark. Mm -hmm. so, um, yeah, you don't want to teach it to play legally. Well, so that's a really good point. Nor do I want to teach it to play losing games or even maybe tying games. So maybe my data set that I'm going to teach it, I'm going to train it on, should only be games that had a winner. Yes, that seems quite reasonable. You want to get it to learn patterns that lead to a victory. And like you said about the images, the system's going to sort of learn what you give it. So if you give it situations where it leads to a loss or a tie, it's going to be like, that's, that's fine, I can do that. So yeah, focus on the win. Okay, so we're victory focused here. Do I need to give it games in which both X and O are the winners? Yeah, I think that would be a good idea. Like you ultimately want your agent to be able to play as either X or O and to be able to win and understand given a board position and I am playing as X, what's a good move for X? And if I'm playing as O, what's a good move for O? So I would think you should have games where X wins and games where O wins. So here's why that doesn't make entire sense to me. My understanding, which is a way of saying I'm probably wrong, my understanding is that it's the system, when it learns, it's going to look for patterns. It's going to notice patterns of play. Those patterns are the same whether it's an X pattern or an O pattern. I could take any game that X won and just reverse all of the marks. The X's becomes O's, the O's become X, and it's exactly the same pattern. So shouldn't it be able to... to learn those winning patterns and don't care about X and O? Um, but even in that description, you sort of said the pattern is the same and I can reverse X and O. But there is some consistent notion in your head of these symbols belong together and these other symbols are on a different team. So when you're actually playing the game, you still need to know, am I playing X or O, right? Like, just because the pattern, the three things in a row that lets O win, doesn't mean that you can just play an X if you're trying to win as O. The pattern of victory for the two sides of the game are going to be similar. I think it matters. But ultimately, we can find out by experimentation, which is a pretty common thing and a useful thing to sort of get the hang of when doing machine learning projects is to do an experiment, to train it one way and see how it does, and then train it another way and see how it does and see if there's any differences, and then so you can delve into why. One thing I do want to highlight, actually, given what we've been talking about, because we've been talking about like generating tic-tac-toe games is the reason we're generating tic-tac-toe games, even though we talked about the sequel, Tic-Tac-Toe, huh. coming to store soon, is that I think another common strategy and one that I advised David when he told me about this problem is to first find sort of a, a simple baseline that you understand well and believe you should be able to be successful on before going on to the harder problem. So our goal here is to first train something that plays tic-tac-toe well um, before we look at tic-tac-toe. Because if we can't do tic-tac-toe, there isn't necessarily a reason to believe that we will be able to be successful at the more complex thing, but it's easier to understand why it's not working at the simpler thing. So it's really nice to set a baseline that you understand well, and then we can move on from there. That's a really good point. It's also, if your aim was actually to, to make a tic-tac-toe playing robot the best you could, you would not be using machine learning for it. You could, but you would definitely not need to. <laughs> it's a simple enough game that, as you yeah. said before, pro programming the logic to just win or tie effectively is not that hard. So you wouldn't need machine learning for this. It's just sort of like a baseline sanity check that lets us know that all of the sort of machinery is working right. So between five and 
10 million random games. Exactly. Uh, but we can narrow that a little bit. Well, so, yeah, I, so I would suggest something in the thousands. So between 1,000 and 10,000. Good. So I know what I'm doing. Perfect. It's more or less. You know, I don't yeah. <laughs> But, You're going to generate some data so that we can pour it into the machine learning uh -huh, system. And then the magic will happen and we can go home. Boom. Good podcast. Good series. Nice. Yeah. So you know what you're going to be doing, and I'm going to be sort of looking a bit more into the reinforcement learning literature, just setting up on that side of things. And I'm also going to create some code repositories for us to put our stuff and a little sort of viewer page so that we can see these agents play each other and maybe humans one day and or randomly playing agents. So I'm, I'm also going to work on that for next time. Yeah, I have mixed feelings about posting my code. I am such an amateur. As we said, change is scary, but it's good for us. <laughs> okay. <Hey. laughs> okay. Excellent. I look forward to talking to you when you have some data. <laughs> Not a moment before, I understand. N don't. You machine learning people. Yeah, we go crazy for the data. <laughs> All right. Talk to you soon. Take care. You've been listening to Tic-Tac-Toe the Hard Way with your hosts, Yannick Asagba and David Weinberger. This is a production of Google Pair, with thanks to Rebecca Salwa, Eric Johansson, mixer and editor Brian Gordon, and the entire Pair team of developers, researchers, designers, artists, philosophers, and more. A special thanks to Nikhil Thorat, who created the music with help from AI by Google Magenta. You can find links to code and more in the show notes and at our website, pair.withgoogle.com slash the hard way. Once again, that's pair.withgoogle.com slash the hard way.